Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Caroline Scott and I have a fantastic interview to share with you this week where I spoke to the team behind the BBC Africa Eye investigation, Anatomy of a Killing. In July 2018, a distressing video showing the murder of two women and two young children began to circulate on social media. The footage shows a group of soldiers leading the victims down a dusty footpath, blindfolded, forced to the ground and shot 22 times. Online, as the video gained more attention, there was a debate about the facts. Some people said it happened in Mali, others in northern Cameroon, where the Cameroonian military are fighting the jihadist group Boko Haram. The Cameroonian government dismissed the allegations as fake news. They said the following. The video that is currently going round is nothing but an unfortunate attempt to distort the actual facts and intoxicate the public. The team at BBC Africa Eye were interested to see if there was enough information in the video to find out at least where it happened. They took a closer look at the video and found clues that proved the government was wrong. In fact, by using open source investigative approaches, journalists at the broadcaster, along with a group of independent open source analysts online, were able to use what they saw to distinguish the exact location, time frame and identities of the murderers. I spoke to series producer Daniel Adamson and open source producer Alum Leroy to find out how they got started with this stunning investigation. When you see a video like this, so the first step you ask yourself, obviously, is to verify it, where it happened. So that's the first question we, we ask and we needed to answer. That, with that project, it was a bit different also because we were working with a group of independent um, open source analysts, uh, researchers from Amnesty, uh, people from, from an organization that's called Begging Cat. Uh, and so we put our efforts all together because all of them were sort of working um, you know, by themselves on it and posted some information on Twitter. We decided to combine our efforts because it thought it would be, you know, we'll get to the answer um, much faster, uh, which is what happened. So we started to ask the questions um, where, when, and who, uh, starting with, with where because that was the most important to answer. And because once we had where, we could unlock the, the, the when and the who. Um, and that's where we, we started with what we call geolocation, uh, trying to find the, if we could see the spot. Uh, where the kings happen, and that's where we had the mountain ridge line, for example. And that's that's one of the few clues we had in the video, uh, is that mountain ridge line and some information. Uh, people saying, you know, it's it's happened in Mali. We had some uh, Facebook posts, people saying it's it's in the far north uh, of of, of uh, Cameroon. And in the video, we have um, uh, the soldiers who say that uh, they are Boko Haram. Uh, the women and children, so they accuse them of being Boko Haram. Uh, and so when we combine them together, together that piece of information, as well as the fatigue of the soldier, we had suspicion it would take place in the far north of Cameroon. That's where we started our, our research to try and, to find the spot. It was really uh, difficult, and uh, thank God we had a tip-off from a, from a source who enabled us to narrow it down to a very, very small area of research where we indeed found the, the ridge line. And then we could we could match other elements that we saw on that satellite imagery to what was on the video, um, such as the buildings, uh, the trees, and the track. And then from then on, things were, you know, they're just sort of the pieces of evidence just follow one another. So we just had to follow that thread uh, and, you know, pull it. And then sort of that was coming to, to us and we could find when and who. As Ayum says, 
having the location is crucial. Once we knew that the killings had happened outside a town called Zelovet, we were able to put that name into Google, and very quickly we found a Channel 4 news report which had been filmed in that area in 2015. The news report allowed us to identify a combat outpost, which we then found on the Google Earth satellite imagery and matched the features in the Channel 4 news report to the features visible on satellite imagery, the buildings, the defensive walls, the trees. And from that information, we were able to establish what kind of camouflage fatigues Cameroonian soldiers stationed in that area were and see if they were compatible with the ones that we could see in the video of the killing. When you think of an investigation like this, you might imagine huge whiteboards filled with scribbles, clues and notes, or tables covered with printouts and maps. But the team had a simple workflow, using the tools available to all online. You know, most of the work and the information was happening on WhatsApp and on Slack channels and on closed Twitter groups. But it didn't become confusing because we had a very clear structure for our narrative from early on. And the structure was really back to basics journalism. Where did it happen? When? Who was responsible? And so all of the details that we were finding fitted into that structure. And that very simple narrative thread was you know, the final structure of the, the film and the Twitter thread. So do you find the, do you find the location we use um, satellite imagery providers, like for example Google Earth or Sentinel Hub or Digital Globe, uh, some of them are free and accessible to everyone, like uh, Google Earth or Sentinel Hub. Anyone can today use them and, you know, access the satellite imagery. Um, digital Globe, uh, normally you have, to, you have to pay for it, uh, but they do have licenses. They have, do have, sorry, agreements with, uh, with sort of media groups. So in that case, they, they were willing to help us to get the satellite imagery. Um, so that's what we use then for the social media intelligence. So when we did investigation, you're trying to find um, the who, there was one part of the who we're looking into into the soldiers that killed the woman and to see whether we could find um, Facebook accounts and there we did what we call social media intelligence, social media investigation um, and you have certain tools that enable you to access information in a way that you wouldn't do otherwise if you just search via Facebook. So you have tools like um, Intel techniques, for example, etc. that are also free and that anyone can use. I think open source work is, by its very nature, collaborative. There is a whole community of open source researchers out there, some of whom, many of whom, are not professional journalists, but they have fantastic expertise in geolocation, in weapons analysis, in vehicle tracking, and many other areas of expertise. And so, yes, we did, you know, within limits, crowdsource some of the investigation, but of course... We don't have to take anything on trust. Any piece of information that, that comes to us, uh, you know, from citizen journalists, for example, has to be independently verified by our BBC team before it becomes part of our finished investigation. And I think that's what's really interesting about open source work for the audience. They can see the chain of evidence with their own eyes. They don't need to take anything on trust they don't need to be told what happened. You can show them. So how do you get started with open source investigations? And what does it take for legacy media organisations to use open source investigative approaches to produce compelling digital stories? Everybody from rural Cameroon to Syria has got a mobile phone camera in their pocket. And there are thousands of videos 
being uploaded every day, many of them uh, showing really serious wrongdoing or even atrocities, as was the case here. And so it's essential that the media has tools and methodologies for verifying and analyzing these videos with real rigor, for corroborating them, and for uh, you know ex explaining to their audiences how they did that. So yeah, of course it's becoming uh, more and more important. At the same time, I would say it's, it's, um, it, 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 it's something that goes alongside traditional boots-on-the-ground journalism, staying in contact with your sources, developing your networks, finding out for yourself what happened. So it's not a, it's not a replacement, it's a complement to uh, you know, traditional journalistic methods. For aspiring journalists who want to know more about open source investigations, they can f follow people online on Twitter and those open source analysts, but you have also a lot of uh, toolkits, tool databases available to, to those uh, person, to those people online. For example, you have the Begging Cat uh, online toolkit, and that's one of them. There is a set of, of open source investigative tools uh, that explains what you can do with them, links to access them, whether you have to pay or not, uh, if they're open. Uh, there is also another one that's called OSINT uh, Framework, uh, which, which is one of the uh, greatest database for open source investigative tools. Uh, and then a really amazing one, I think, for me is, uh, is the Week in OSINT. Uh, it's a weekly publication done by a Twitter user that's called Sector035. Uh, and every week, every Monday, he publishes the, this newsletter and, and delves deeply into new open source tools uh, and new open source websites that are up. So it's, it's very great because it's, it's an environment that's moving really fast. Uh, there's a lot of tools coming up, uh, a lot of new techniques. Uh, so that, that one is good because every week that way you can keep up with that page. And if anyone is interested in some exemplary storytelling using open source uh, investigative techniques, take a look at the New York Times visual investigations page where you know Malachi Brown and his team have done some absolutely fantastic work presenting open source investigative work in a really compelling way. A huge thank you to the team for sharing insights behind this investigation with us. The units are building a small team of open source analysts and producers who can do more of this kind of work in the future, so we will of course keep you at home informed of future projects. And of course, if you've been working on open source investigations within your news organisation, let us know about it, we'd love to hear. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website, but we'd rather you come and see us for a whole day at NewsUWide on November the 7th, where we'll be talking about the latest trends, tools and techniques in digital journalism. You can head over to newsyourwide.com to get your ticket now.